is the lesson that you should have in front of you, preparing the disciples. And to be honest with you, I didn't know that this was the title of this lesson until after I had already worked out what I was going to say for the leadership class. <laughs> I knew that the sheet was available, but it was all, all, all the way over here at the church, and I hadn't come over here yet to get it. So it, God's amazing. Brother Ian, if you would come. Brother Ian's going to help us receive our Sunday school offering this morning. In Jesus' name, go ahead. Give liberally as unto the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. And so I came over here and picked this up, and I saw preparing the disciples after I had already typed or written preparing leaders. And that's really what he was doing, wasn't it? He was preparing those men that were going to take over because he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But he knew he had to leave this earth. So he had to leave some people behind. He had to leave some ambassadors, some, some people behind that would carry this church forward at his direction, of course. And so we are, I guess you could sort of say in a roundabout way, direct descendants spiritually of the disciples that, that he left this church in the able hands of because they have passed it to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next group, to the next group. And so when Paul added the Gentiles into the church, that, that brought us into the picture. And so here we are today. So everything about these lessons about disciples has everything to do with who we are because we are his disciples. What's a disciple? Is a follower of something. A disciple of Hare Krishna is somebody that believes in what they, the Hare Krishna people teach and follows it and does it. And, and a, a disciple of, of Buddha the same way and, and a disciple of Muhammad the same way. And so we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we, we don't want to sit back in these lessons and say, well, that was that was great idea for those guys. No, that, this is for us. Because we are his disciples every day. Praise God. And so uh, I wanted to turn really quickly this morning on the focus verse there to Luke 24 and 32. And I'm going to do my best to let the Lord lead me and give me the things that I need to say so that you can be ministered to through this today. Luke chapter 24, verse 32. And actually, we're going to skip up to verse 27 and read down through verse 32. I'm sorry. And the beginning, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them. Who was he talking to? His disciples. He had come back to visit them, and they had no idea that it was him at this particular moment. But this guy that they were walking with, that they didn't know was Jesus, began to expound to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh into the village whither they went, and he made 
as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. Everybody see Revelation. Their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And so we're going to talk about preparing disciples. Even after his death, burial, and resurrection, and he came back to this earth, he, he went and to be with his disciples, and he went to walk with them. He was still preparing them. He was still giving them fuel and ammunition, I guess you could say, for what, he, what it was that they needed to do for him. And so he came to them and he, he continued to teach them. And he continued to show them what they needed to do. And so in, in the lesson here under the focus thought, it says that he prepared his disciples by teaching and modeling the principles of the kingdom. Well, how did he do that? Sometimes you teach by speaking, and sometimes you teach by doing, and not saying a word. You know, we lead by example, they call that. And so that's what Jesus did. He didn't, ex- as he walked through the crowds and as he went from town to town, after he had called his disciples away from all their fishing boats and all their, their, their tax collecting and all the things that he called them away from, He just, what did he say to them? Follow me. He didn't say, follow me and I'll explain everything that I'm going to do. He didn't say, follow me and and I'll stop and give you a, a, a deep explanation of everything I say and everything I do. He didn't do that. He just said, follow me. And he did things. We won't go into each and every one of those stories, but he, he went about doing good. The Bible says he did things that the disciples found themselves like among themselves going, what did he just say? Did you see what he did? What did he do? How did did he do that? Because it didn't dawn on them who he was right away. And they thought they knew who he was, but they weren't sure. But he went about doing all these things, healing people and speaking things to people and and ministering to people. And he, it was just an uncanny and amazing how he knew their thoughts. Then these guys are like among themselves going, how did he know? And then he would read their thoughts and he would, he would answer their questions that they were saying, you know, over in the corner. And, and they're like, how does he know we're talking about him? It's just amazing. You know, God is just like that. You know, he listens to what we say. And so does the devil. But the devil can't read your mind, can he? He can't. So a little caveat there. Just be careful what you say. Be careful what you speak out loud. It's better to just think it and maybe just give it to God and just go on. Don't give the devil ammunition. Okay? Because once it's spoken out into the air, that those words have power, don't they? You know, by thy words, 
By, by words, the Bible says we can lift somebody up, and by words, we can kill somebody. So we got to be careful. That's why sometimes Jesus didn't say anything. He just did. And then he got off to the side and explained it to them, not in front of everybody. Because he was trying to lead them and model them of how they should conduct themselves. Right? When I was raising my sons, they a lot of the things that they do today were a direct result of stuff I did. That I wasn't necessarily saying, okay, boys, this, do this, say this, act like this. I wasn't doing that, but I was just going about my being myself, I guess you could say. And sometimes, I don't know if my actions were exactly the things that they needed to be modeling. So I had to repent, and most of the time I would go to them and pull them to me and say, look, I'm sorry, that wasn't, that's not the right that's not the proper way to act. This I, Dad was wrong. And I would do that. And I would apologize to them. And I'd say, this is the way, because God would convict me, and I'd realize that. And so we are examples to people in our actions, in our words, whether we realize it or not. We could potentially be discipling somebody without even actually being in the act of, I think I'm going to go disciple that person. Right? So we got to, you know, all eyes are on us. They know we're different. They know there's something unique about us. They know, they know, the world out there knows, probably better than we do in some cases, how apostolic people are supposed to act and conduct themselves. Right? They do. Well, you're apostolic. Aren't you supposed to walk holy and be holy? They'll say stuff like that. Like, aren't you? You're not supposed to do that stuff, are you? They know, <laughs> just like we knew before we came to God. We just chose not to live that way. So he, he modeled and he taught them and he led them in various different ways. And so we're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 and read a couple verses down. And um, because they, the disciples... Asked a lot of questions. In this particular case, they they asked him a question. Then came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, Jesus was always praying. You ever notice that? He always took time out to pray. What was he praying about in those times? I don't know. But he was, le he was teaching them by not saying, guys, I'm going over here to pray, just so you know. He just went off to pray. He would just kind of disappear, and they'd go, where, where did Jesus go? He's off praying again. But he was giving them an example to follow. Okay? So he was off praying again, and when he had ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. Because the rabbi is supposed to be teaching. That's where that, that whole disciple thing came from. You, as a rabbi, you would select someone to be your disciple. And they would, do like, they would drop everything. Like Elisha and Elijah. And they would follow you everywhere you went. Because they wanted to be like you. 
And that's how they saw Jesus as a rabbi. And so teach us like John taught his disciples. We want to know what's the right way to pray. What was one of the first things when I first got in church was they said, okay, one of the things that we do is we, before service, we go down to the prayer room. That scared me. Because <laughs> all I had ever prayed was these out loud, mechanical, predetermined, written, read it, and meditate. You know, I, I had them memorized. I could still quote them to you today, these prayers from my upbringing. <laughs> it was all robotic and just repetitive. And I'm like, how am I supposed to pray? And so I asked somebody in that prayer room, how am I supposed to pray? Well, they said, just see, see that guy over there praying, that guy over there praying, just do what they're doing. Okay. Talk to God. So I just, how do you learn to do something and get better at it? You practice. Right? The first time Brother Terry started working with wood, it wasn't, he didn't, he didn't do it exactly right and perfect. And he could probably go back and show you the flaws. You might not see them, but, Right? But he learned from those mistakes how to use that machine, how to, how to make that cut or whatever. And so I learned how to pray by observing others that were praying. And then later on, I found myself when new people came into church and they asked me how to pray, I said the same thing. Let's go down to the prayer room. I don't know what to do. You'll know when you get there. Don't worry about it. You'll know. Just, just find a place and start talking to God. He'll tell you what to say. And so Jesus says, okay, he said unto them, when ye pray, say, now he wasn't telling them to repeat, repeat this prayer. That's not what he was saying. This is not, this is one of those ones that I've been repeating my whole life. Never understood what this prayer meant. This wasn't a prayer. This is a a method, a, a way to pray. And if you ever wanted to study something, study this prayer right here and break this down for yourself this the the, it's amazing what this is really saying when you pray say our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done as in heaven so in earth give us day by day our daily bread or our daily provision and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone that is indebted unto us and lead us not into the temptation Well, God doesn't tempt anybody, so that's talking about the temptation of the devil, right? But deliver us from evil. And so he taught them how to pray. And in many cases, he prayed out loud in front of them. But if you read through the New Testament, you'll find that Jesus referred to God as his father more than any other reference to god he called him his father i don't do these things i do they're not me doing it it's the father that's telling me to do it he always referred to his father telling him okay and so he was giving them an example even there how to pray who to pray to what to call him father my heavenly father And so he, in one place in the Bible, he said, my house shall be called a house of praise and worship. Is that what he said? Oh, it was. House of prayer, right? 
it wasn't a house of praise and worship, was it? Or he he didn't call it a house of religious exercises. Because that's what they were doing. Because that, in that scripture right there, he wasn't being very nice when he said that. He had just made a whip of cords and he had just turned over tables. And you think about Jesus Christ as God manifest in the flesh. So he was beating his own creation. He was just going on a rant. Ever seen anybody go on a rant? Just go crazy? Start throwing tables? And anybody ever seen anybody do that? You're just like, whoa. I don't want him to hit me. You know, when my dad would start whipping one of us kids, the other four of us would kind of run for the hills. <laughs> I don't want him to catch me in the backswing. Right? <laughs> right? And so... Jesus was serious about this stuff. He was, he was giving them an example. This is how serious I want you to be about prayer and about the house of God. He wasn't nice about it. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Right? Amen. One of the other things that he taught them was about humility. And so let's go to Matthew 18, verse 1 through 4. Matthew 18, verse 1 through 4 says, And the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Here they are asking him questions again. Show us something else, God. I'm I'm hungry. Teach me something else. Show me some other wisdom and some other thing, some other way that I can be a better disciple. Cuz that's what they were striving for. They were they were all trying to be the best disciple they could be for Jesus. To the point where it got to this where they were saying, "Who is the which one of us?" Is the greatest in the kingdom? Is it is it me, God? Is it me, Jesus? Am I the greatest, or is this or is it this guy over here? They all wanted it to be them, didn't they? And it doesn't say it here, but Jesus perceived what their motive was for their question, and Jesus called a little child. He loved using object lessons. Called a little child unto him in, in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted in your mind and become as a little child, as the little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is great, greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so he was telling them that if you're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven, it's going to take humility. It's not about who you are. It's, it's not about your name. It's not about how special and wonderful you are. It's not about a pecking order. It's not about I'm, I'm Jesus' favorite. It's not about being teacher's pet. Okay? It's about humility. Whoever can't humble themselves as one of these little children. And children are generally 
very respectful and very, uh, they know their place, I guess you could say. They, they know that they're children and they have a certain uh, way that they act. You know, little children don't understand when an older brother leaves the house and doesn't come back. Right? They don't understand that. And in their mind, can we just go, can we pack a suitcase and go get brother and bring him back home and make everything the way it was before? And they don't understand that big brother is not coming back home right away because he's out there and it, you can't explain that to a child. But they're, in their simple mind, like the example I used of the little boy jumping off the car and his dad catching him, they just believe. They just, they don't even think about, it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, they don't even they don't think like that. They just do. You know, they just they just respond and and so that's what Jesus was saying to them. You got to have the mindset of a little child. Childlike faith. And aren't we just that, his children? You know, what did he tell in one place in the Bible he said that we should cry unto him what? Abba, Father. And the 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 what that really is saying is Papa, like Daddy, he's our Daddy. He's our Father. That's what's the beauty of serving the Lord. He's our Heavenly Father. People that have struggled with fathers in their natural life, they can come to Him and He will be a Father to them. And so Jesus was trying to teach them about humility. It's not the puffed up attitude. It's not the the prideful attitude that's going to win somebody. It's that humble and contrite heart that that David talked about in the in Psalms. A humble and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Right? I want to have a humble spirit and a humble heart before God. And if if it's not something that you can just manufacture, it's got it's a lifestyle that you live. And God will use the humble and the meek. Right? It's all about I guess humility versus pride, as it says there on the sheet. In Luke 11 and 4, it says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Well, Jesus was teaching them to pray. He was, those words assume that you're, you're forgiving people for the stuff that they've done to you. Or haven't done to you or for you. Because really that scripture Luke in Luke 11.4. And it's also found in, uh, in Matthew. That same prayer that Jesus is teaching. He, it's, it, in my mind it, that, that verse is kind of backwards. Because it should say in my mind. As I forgive others Lord. Forgive me. Because. If you can't forgive somebody, I don't care if it happened yesterday or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I don't care how bad it was. 
I don't care what it was. If you cannot forgive somebody, don't expect God to forgive you. And that's what that scripture is really saying. And so he was teaching them about forgiveness all the way up to and including when he was on the cross. What did he say when he was hanging on the cross? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. How many of us think of that scripture when somebody's doing us wrong? Right off the bat, the first thing we think of is that scripture. Yeah. I don't see any hands going up. We don't, but we should. But our first human reaction is, how dare they? Or why are they doing this to me? What did I do to deserve this? But Jesus didn't say any of that. Now, I know the Bible says that he went to the mountain and he prayed, Father, if this cup passed, if you could just let this cup pass for me, Father, it would be all right. But then he said something else. After that, he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And so it's, it's not something that's easy to do. But we've got to find ourselves a place where when things happen in our life, that we, we get that attitude of forgive them. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know they don't they don't realize that they are doing something to a child of God. And it's not in a condemnatory attitude that we do that. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing and go get them. In Jesus name. No, no, no. That's not what that means. You know, like I heard somebody say do unto them before they do unto me. That's not what that, No, 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 no. God's the righteous judge. Vengeance is mine, he said. I will repay. Give it to God. I don't care what it is that they've done to you. And the more, you know, if if you carry unforgiveness, if that person did something to you that was horrible, awful, terrible, just, I mean, you know, the sky's the limit. And it, it hurt you or whatever. And they've walked off and forgot about it. They might not even know that what they did hurt you or offended you. Or they might even have repented of it. And if you haven't forgiven them and you're still carrying that, the only person that's in bondage in that situation is you. Right? So he knew that these disciples were going to be offended. Right? He told them. He told them. <laughs> you're going to be offended. Matter of fact, you're going to be persecuted. For my name's sake. But happy are you. Be happy about it. How can you be happy about that? That's what he was saying. That's when you know. And so we've got to forgive. If, if we're going to be his disciples, we've got to be able to forgive unequivocally. Does that necessarily mean you forget? I don't know. There's stuff in my mind that comes up sometimes that I, that's from way back. Way, way back. Before I even walked in this way. But whenever that stuff comes up, I just, I just remind the devil, hey, 
That's already forgiven. That's already under the blood, devil. Why are you bringing that up? Because you're the only one bringing it up. Because God's not. It's under the blood. So we've got to do that. Let's go to Matthew 19, verse 16. Matthew 19, 16 through 21 says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, eternal life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus saith, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt commit, not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept. From my youth up, what lack I yet? And Jesus is always going to ask for more, isn't he? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect or mature, go and sell that thou hast and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So, talking about self-sacrifice. You got to be careful what you ask for. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He didn't get the answer he was expecting. He thought he had done enough. You know, and just when we think we've given God everything that we can give him, he comes along and asks for more. He doesn't take it from us. He asks for it. And just when we thought we were serving God to the nth of our ability, God will come along and ask for more. I want you to sacrifice a little bit more. I want you to lay this down. And then we're like, yeah, but like this guy, I've done everything from my youth up. What lack? What do I lack? And his expectancy was that he was not gonna. He was. He thought Jesus was gonna say, "Well, great, you've done everything. Awesome. <laughs> you know, enter into the kingdom. Just come on over here. You've done everything. Great job. He didn't do that. He said to, what he said to him, and the way I look at it, what he said to him is. You've done all those great things, but I'm going to ask more of you. And he knew that it was a lot to ask, didn't he? Jesus knew. That's a lot to ask. You know, what if what if God said, I don't want you to tithe 10%. I want you to give me everything. We'd be like, uh, right? You mean everything? Yeah. Like they did, you know, when Ananias and Sapphira were cheating God, right? What was everybody else doing? They were selling their property and giving 10%? No, they gave everything. They trusted God. They had to. Especially after Ananias and Sapphira got carried out of there. 
<laughs> if there's any thought of cheating God after that, there wasn't any more. The, the Bible said they had fear. Okay, God is serious. That's what they said. Okay, okay, God really serious about this giving thing. When he asks you for everything, he means everything. So, you know, be careful what you ask for. Because that's what the guy came to Jesus and said. What can I do that I can inherit eternal life? He asked the question. So he opened himself up to whatever Jesus had to say. Too late to take the question back now. But he did. He went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So what did that say? What was his God? His great possessions were his God. Because that's what he was attached to. That's what he... It doesn't say that he went and sold all his possessions and gave them to the poor and went and followed Jesus because we never hear about him again. And that's what Jesus was demanding of his disciples. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to come to every single one of us and say, give it all up. Sell your house, sell your car, quit your job. I'm not saying that. It's not realistic. But he's going to ask of us something beyond our capacity to understand it because this man couldn't understand how all that he had done why was i being asked to do more but when you're serving the lord when you really love the lord it's really not too much to ask is it because when he knelt down and prayed that prayer and said nevertheless Father, not my will, but thy will be done. That's really what our attitude needs to be about everything, isn't it? Father, you know what's best. In Mark 8.34, it says, And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, or whoever will follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He didn't say take up my cross and follow me, because we can't take up his cross, right? <laughs> None of us can only he could take that cross up. But he's telling us, take up your cross and follow me. Well, what, that cross might be something different for you than it is for me. Whatever that is, that's the cross he's asking you to bear. And what is that cross? It's stuff that you're not going to like. Your flesh is not going to like what he's asking you to do or not do. That's your cross. That's how I look at it. And so he's telling us to take up, take up the cross he's given us to bear, right? And every one of our crosses is going to be different, but it's all about self-sacrifice. He's going to, he wants us to do it willingly. He doesn't, he doesn't make us do this. Nobody's making me do this. The song says, this is how I choose to live. You decide for you and I'll decide for me. I made a decision one day. My wife and I made a decision one day. We are not going to do this halfway. We are either going to do it all the way or we're going to close the door on it and walk away from it. So we made a decision 30 years ago. We're going to do this. This is how we're going to live. 
And we have never looked back. You know, it hasn't always been a rose garden. It hasn't always been easy. But there's nothing out there that's that compares to, to this way of living. Nothing. But where would I go from the presence of the Lord? The disciple said to Jesus, right? Where would I go from your presence? What, what would I do if I walked away from this? Go back out there? No way. No way. Nothing out there I want. And the stuff I did have out there was just grievous. I, I didn't I don't need that anymore. I I I am I got the best thing going. Praise God. So whom do men whom do you say that I am today? Who do, who do we say that Jesus is today? Are we even willing to say that we even know him? Right? As his disciples, like Peter did, <laughs> he denied him three times after Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. No, I won't. No, I won't. I'll never deny you, Lord. Learn learn never to say never. <laughs> right? And when in the one scripture, when the third time came and the cock crowed, he must have been within eyeshot of Jesus because it says that Jesus looked over at him like, I told you. <laughs> look, can you imagine that look? I mean, sometimes you know the, those the, like when you were being raised, your mother had these looks that could just. She didn't have to say a word, right? All she had to do was look at you a certain way, and you went, mm, okay, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> no words were spoken, but you knew, "Yes, ma'am," was the answer, and stop whatever it is you're doing was the answer, and that's what happened with Peter, right? So we have to realize who it is that we're serving. And he knows every thought. He knows he hears every word we say. He can read our minds, right? And he loves us. And it doesn't mean we can't ask God questions. It doesn't mean we can't question why am I going through this? But we just have to in the end we have to say what Jesus said, nevertheless not my will but thy will be done. That was the ultimate lesson i think for his disciples was you're going to go through some stuff for the purpose of my kingdom but you know happy are you when you're persecuted and all these things for the sake of the gospel because our reward in heaven is going to be much greater you know the bible says that that uh the sufferings and the things of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which is to be revealed in us so we can't get our eyes focused on this, on what we see with these natural keepers right here. We, we've got to get focused in the spirit on what God is doing. Right? Amen. Father, thank you for this lesson today. Lord, I pray and I hope that the words that were spoken were words that ministered. Father, have your way in the remainder of this service today as we go on.